From the Medical Republic, I'm Francis Wilkins. This is The Tea Room. If you want to know how little food to feed a dog before it starves to death, you will only discover the answer once you have killed the dog. That quote alludes to Australian general practice, and it's from the website of Dr. Charlotte Hesby. Charlotte is the next candidate to nominate to be the next president of the RACGP and joins us in the tea room today. She's worked as a general practitioner since 1994 and her practice in Glebe, Sydney, now employs 18 GPs and three practice nurses. Diversity of patients in her practice, which includes halfway house residents, drug rehab service users, wealthy retirees and empty nesters, is one of the things that drives her work. She's also chair of the RACGP's New South Wales and ACT faculty and head of general practice and primary care research at the University of Notre Dame. Charlotte, welcome to the Tea Room and thanks for joining us for a chat. Thanks so much for inviting me, Francis. And before I start, I will like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that I'm sitting on and recording from today, which is the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. It's Gadigal people's land always was and always will be. And as will I, and I'm talking to you from the, the land of the Camaragal people, also of the Eora Nation, and this land was never ceded, as you say. So very depressing quote there about the dog right at the beginning. What are you going to do about that? Why are you running for RACGP president? Thanks for asking. And I am running because I care. I care really passionately about the role that GPs play in our healthcare system, although can I say it's actually a system that's designed to be a sick care system, and that's probably one of the problems that we're facing at the moment. Medicare was an amazing transformation of healthcare service designed back in the 1970s, but the problem it was designed to solve was actually about access for sick care, and that's the, the system that we got. And as Einstein would say, we cannot solve the problems that we're facing with the same thinking that we used when we created them. So unless we actually redesign our system to become a healthcare system, then we're, it's doomed to fail as it is at the moment. And general practice in particular has been the starved animal as part of that Medicare rebate. Well, the way Medicare was designed was to ensure that it covered up the, the majority of the cost of the consultation so that doctors could charge the full fee to everybody who could afford to pay, but that it wasn't a major imposition for them to access all of people who were socially vulnerable and unable to afford care. And what's happened is that that rebate has been eroded, 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 then put onto a sort of solid fasting diet, so no food at all, for several years and then sort of kept on going with now no capacity for that rebate in any way to deliver what it was, you know, even designed in the first place. So now it's well and truly less than 50% of what most people would see to be the basic costs of covering a consultation. And so there is just no ability for either doctors or practices to be able to continue to deliver quality care using that formula. And given all that, we could be looking at a very bleak future for primary care and specifically general practice without something being done. Now, you've talked on your campaign website a bit about leadership. What is your vision for the RACGP? And as leader, are there areas within it you'd like to particularly develop? I'll start with the leadership topic because 
I absolutely believe that the RACGP needs to have a really strong leader to be the president at the moment. And that's an urgent need. It's not, you know, fanciful. We just have to continue to do the work that Karen Price has been doing in the last two years and Karen Espelin started before her. And that baton needs to be handed on in a running pace as if we're in one of those four by 100 metre relays and we can't afford to have that third person falling over as we've seen at the Commonwealth Games this week. We actually need to pass it smoothly and that running pace actually needs to take us to the finish line really fast. That's a very good analogy. And obviously you you have to deal with a lot of stakeholders and a lot of parties in achieving that sort of vision, one of those being the federal government, certainly not the only one. How do you manage your relationship with the government as a a leader of the RACGP, given everything that the college needs to achieve? Again, a great question. And can I say, historically, I don't think we've done it terribly well. We've had a tendency to be a little bit too, shall I say, subservient. And I think we've sort of accepted advice that, you know, you don't provide too much disruption and you don't be too noisy. When I actually think now is not the time to be subservient, we actually need a really strong, united voice that actually comes with solutions because the problem is evident to everybody. Thankfully, Mark Butler is appearing to realise that there is a problem and he is saying that he's going to listen to solutions. So we need to be there. Every opportunity We need to be a bit like that. As I say to my patients, if they want to get something done, you've just got to be there every single day. Ring up and say, I'm here. This is what I need. And that's what we need to do. We need to be fleas in his doggy coat so that he can't forget about us. But we need to be able to provide that solution that is palatable. And can I also say that we need to understand that if we continue to give the same message that we've been doing for the last few years, we are going to continue to get the same answer. And, you know, that's really what we've done. We we keep going back and saying we want more money in our rebates. We want more money in our rebates. We want more money in our rebates. Well, they're just not going to say yes to that. It has to be a far cleverer way of presenting the story because there's no doubt we need more money in our rebates. But we also need to accept that they're not going to just do that. They need to have a much more subtle story about what's in it for the government, the taxpayer, the patient, Um, in Mark Butler's words, what's the value proposition for patients if we invest in general practice? So given that we have a lot to achieve, that a lot to a lot of goals to meet, how would you manage the relationship with the government given everything that the college needs to achieve? Great question. This is where the true leadership skills come in. We need to be really clever. We need to change the way in which we are actually relating to both government and opposition. And also we need to bring in the states. I think one of the problems that we have is that GPs are funded through the federal government, but the real benefit in funding us well is borne by the states, but the states don't fund us at all. And this is a problem of our siloed system, right? 
So we actually need to start having far more of a complex relationship between the states, territories and federal government about the value proposition of general practice and why it is that the government must, must invest in general practice. They have to increase rebates and they have to actually also look at the investment in general practice that's not just about rebates but is actually about practice sustainability, about the systems around the healthcare that we deliver, practice nurses, being able to do quality improvement, those sorts of things. That's one thing I've you know, done a PhD in how do we actually implement improvements in general practice. Well, the sticking point is that there is no financial incentive for GPs or practices to do anything different from what we're doing because of the fee-for-service model. So we need to have some other incentives. We need to make sure that the practices are viable. It's not much point in having a good rebate for the contracting doctor and the practice not being able to remain viable. Just going back to the point you made about the states, something that New South Wales called for, I think about two months ago, was for the state government to actually have a much greater role, you could arguably say control, of GPs in rural practices, rural practice areas. Do you think that sort of initiative is something that that could benefit general practice in those areas? Look, the devil is always in the detail, but what I do think is that we need to be flexible to different employment models. What I'm hearing from our junior doctors is that a lot of them do actually want to continue to be employed under a state health contract so that they continue to have their employment entitlements, such as, you know, family leave, parental leave and long service leave. And we can't do that when we sort of force people to go out into private practice in general practice. So if there are some sort of flexible models of employment for people to go into if that's what they choose, then we should have that on offer. And I think that will help with some of the conversations about our sustainability and workforce planning. But we can't make it that that's the only model because that's one of the things I know about GPs is that we're all very different and we all like to do things in different ways. And that's the joy as well as some of the the difficulties when you're trying to find solutions to wicked problems like sustainability of the general practice workforce. And there must be some things as well that you would find in all models that would be desirable for GPs. Would you put, say, a single employer, for example, in that category? Is that something that is absolutely essential to an effective general practice model and the effective continuation and sustainability of a GP? Look, I'm not going to say what suits some and what doesn't suit. What I am going to say is I do think we need to be being innovative in the way we think about solutions and we need to be able to try things for different people because I think there'll be solutions that work in some places and don't work in others. And again, I'll quote from Einstein, a person who never made a mistake never tried anything new. And so we really do need to be able to think about being brave sometimes. And to me, that's actually what we have to challenge the government about, that this is the time for them to be brave and to be disruptive in terms of funding of general practice because general practice is the foundation of a good healthcare system. There is no argument about that. What we need to also do is bring to him the evidence that we have about the value of the Australian general practice workforce, which is absolutely fantastic. 
I've been part of a project called LUMOS with New South Wales Health. And that data, which links general practice data with hospital data, is astonishingly strong in showing the value of general practice. Now, we GPs know that, you know, it's a no-brainer, but we haven't ever had the evidence to present to government. Whereas now this LUMOS data, it's taken us six years to get there, is incredibly strong and hard to avoid in terms of the cost benefits to the entire healthcare system if you start diverting funding into general practice. When you're talking about taking it to the government, if you look at the federal government, you potentially have some friends at court there. You know, one thinks of Monique Ryan, who famously told the opposition to put their masks on the other day, and Sophie Scamps would be another. Do you think that you would enjoy support within the ranks of the House as you put a bit of pressure on the Minister and Health to make these kind of changes? Oh, absolutely. And can I say that the RSCGP has actually been doing that? Well, I think it's really important that we have a, a strong relationship with as many members as possible. And that's you know going to take a little bit of time. But having said that, we can all go out there and do our stuff and make sure our local member understands that this is an urgent issue. This is not something that they can ignore, and it actually affects all of their constituents. And we know that the members care when it matters to their constituents. That's been one of the joys about a campaign that Karen has been leading on behalf of the RSCGP about stopping universal bulk billing, because that's actually starting to get real attention from the media around, oh my goodness, that's going to mean there's a whole lot of people who may not be able to access healthcare or they're going to have to start paying. It's like, yes, because doctors can no longer subsidise it. And what does that mean? It actually means we're at risk of not being able to provide healthcare to the people that need it most. And the government actually has to start doing something to make sure that everybody in Australia has equitable access to healthcare. That's what I'm most proud of being Australian. And yet at the moment, that's where the government has let us down. That's right. That's certainly been in the public eye and in the media over even the last few days. And I think I've noticed on your own Twitter feed that CCU's come up a couple of times. Now, being a leader, which is what you have your eye on, you're obviously leading someone. In this case, it's the RACGP and by extension, GPs. How would you sort of mold the relationship with the membership if you get this gig? The one thing I promise to be is that I will listen and then I will be heard and I will provide a really strong leadership model. And the listening is really, really key and important. In my leadership role in New South Wales ACT, that's what I've been proud of is that I have been able to listen at, by making sure that I establish some really good networks of GPs around the state so that I could actually understand what's going on everywhere so that I knew and understood what were the rural and remote issues, what are the problems for IMGs, what are the concerns about practice owners and contractors and how are our GPs in training going. You know, you can't know if you don't listen, but then the responsibility of having listened, you actually have to go and tell and actually then make sure that we've got a response to it that's appropriate. and. Again, I went onto the board of the RACGP four years ago because I wasn't happy that the college was listening. I wasn't 
happy that they were being a member, you know, organisation from my experience. So I'm happy to report that there has been a huge cultural shift and, you know, but it's a bit like turning the Titanic. Things do take a while, but there is no doubt our wonderful senior management team absolutely get it. It's all about our members and if we don't listen to our members and respond and actually try and meet their needs, then, you know, that's just not the point. And my vision for the RACGP is absolutely about the college being respected by all of us as GPs as being our professional home, about being the place that does listen and helps us to actually get the right things done. That with 43,000 people, you're not always going to meet everybody's individual needs, but what we need to do is be able to understand the things that we can do and how do we prioritise them and get the most important things done. The most important at the moment is definitely about sustainability because if we don't have a sustainable workforce, then we don't have GPs and there's no point in having an RACGP. And that listening ear, I'm sure, is something that members who'll be voting for the next president will be looking out for. That was Associate Professor Charlotte Hespy talking to the Tea Room. Next time, I'll be talking to another candidate who's thrown their hat in the ring with their eye on the RACGP presidency. See you then. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can search for us on your favorite podcast player and subscribe. Leave us a review if you like. And if you have any news, tips, or want to chat, you can email me at francis at medicalrepublic.com.au. The Tea Room is a production by the journalists at the Medical Republic. Visit medicalrepublic.com.au to keep up to date with all the latest news and views in general practice. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. We love to keep you informed. Thanks for tuning in.